Welcome, listeners, to the Sequoia Breeze podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen to spend your time with us today. I am your host, Rebecca Lasavio. Today, I get to welcome Trisha Brando with us, and we are going to talk about the interesting, tricky, and sometimes uncomfortable conversation about digital literacy and internet safety for our kids. Welcome, Trisha. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. So tell us a little bit. You've got several hats that you wear. Introduce yourself a little bit. Who are you? Um, Well, I am first and foremost, I'm a mother and a wife, and my family is very involved in our schools. My husband, Scott, teaches in our virtual academy. Um, My two kids, Dylan and Luke, are in high school, and they um, are students in our school. I'm employed with Feather River. Um, I'm an HST, and I am also the Adventure Academy Program Coordinator. So all those wonderful classes that our kids have access to have you to thank in the background. Well, me and a whole team yes. of people, <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am really curious about this topic. I've noticed um, it's a constant struggle with my own kids, how to teach them to um, recognize safe websites, how to help them search safely, how to keep them on track while they're doing their schoolwork. Sometimes it's not even anything that's dangerous, but if they're on the computer, then it's easy to, as we all know, get super distracted. <laughs> so I am here to learn from you today. I'm really, this is not a topic I know everything about, and we're just going to talk about it and hope you say the things I want you to say say, I can't wait to see what you're going to teach me today. So um, tell us a little bit about what brought you to learn about this topic. Yeah, great question. And the first thing I will say is, I don't think anyone knows everything there is to know about this topic because technology is just ever evolving. So, you know, we got to dive in somewhere and really um, two things brought me to, to learn about this topic. Number one, as I said, I'm a mom and my kids we live in this world with technology. And for a long time, my approach was to keep them away from the internet as long as possible. So I did all the things like when it, when they needed to learn how to type, it was like, okay, well, I'll have an old computer, but I won't connect it to the internet, you know, but that actually creates a lot of problems because when you don't connect a computer to the internet, it can't update. So then there was a lot of frustration surrounding technology. And as they got older, you really just can't escape the need for technology sometimes. Um, and at the same time, when I um, was involved with JHVA, we saw this huge need for our kids and their parents to be educated about digital literacy, um, you know, how to use the internet safely, and the the tools that are available for them to learn to navigate this digital world. So I think it was in the spring of 2020, I did a digital literacy and internet um, safety parent education talk. Um, I didn't know a lot at the time, but in preparation for giving that talk, I just dove into the research. And um, ever since then, it's just been a passion of mine because there's so many great resources and so much for us to learn. And I think sometimes as parents, we kind of fear the unknown, but we really, we need to talk about this. We need to to learn about it so that we can prepare our kids. I think my first realization of what a big task this was, was when my oldest was in about, I don't know, fourth grade maybe, and we were doing a writing curriculum that doesn't actually exist anymore, that 
focused on, she was going to do a research project. So first they had a whole unit on how to research safely online. And that was kind of fascinating to me. Like it hadn't occurred to me that she, you know, slowly over time, I've learned if it's a .org website, that tells me something. If it's a .gov website, that tells me something. But unless we teach her, then she doesn't know. And if it's a dot something random website, that tells me something too. <laughs> you know? And so that was my first kind of glimpse of, oh, there's there's a real, this isn't just like, let's teach you how to type and how to turn on the computer. There's some really specific steps in educating her and the rest of my kids and how to use the internet and the resources that are available to them in a safe way. Yeah. And honestly, and it's also a conversation that we have to be having ongoing because, mm-hmm. you know, that what you're going to tell a five-year-old about a computer is going to be very limited to the experience and the device that they have. But as they get older, even if your kids are not on social media, like many families choose to keep their kids off social media. So you would think, well, I don't really need to worry about cyberbullying because they're not on social media. However, if your kids are communicating with others online we really do need to have a conversation with them about appropriate online interactions, how to, um, you know, it's, it's everything from not sharing a picture of someone without their consent, being aware of tone, being aware of what's okay to share, what's not okay. And, and it doesn't have to be done all at once. And parents, we don't have to know it all that the beautiful thing is like, I think the most exciting thing I have to share today is that there are so many resources available to us that have done the work. We just need to be conscious of our role that we have to have these conversations with our kids and we can use the resources at our disposal. I think as part of what you were just describing about um, how to interact with people online has is simply internet manners, which I've realized, you know, my, my kids have messenger kids and Again, like, oh, you don't know these things. You don't know that, you know, sending 40,000 messages to one person is is annoying. Don't do that. (laughs) But that's why they have messenger kids. So you can learn in baby steps with other kids who are also sending 40,000 messages. This is rude. Like, let's not, let's change this. And those are super simple things, but it's all beginning, just like teaching your baby to say please and thank you step-by-step, we can get there. Absolutely. And I think um, realizing that we, so there's a term that they use. They say, like, our kids are digital natives. They are being, they've been born into a world with technology, like a technology-rich environment. Most of us parents are what we call digital immigrants. So we were not born into the world with smartphones. And I was just thinking about, um, I remember in college, was the first time I had email, and um, AOL Instant Messenger was new. And I, I like it was all new. Right. And I remember I had an aunt who would message me on AOL Messenger all the time. And I'd be like trying to do homework and she's messaging me and I didn't know how to handle it because I'm like, well, she can see that I'm online. So I felt like I had to respond every time. And it caused a lot of stress because we that was so new. We didn't really have internet etiquette. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, like, remember chain emails that used to go yeah, around? I was just thinking. It took a while for <laughs> us to realize, like, you can't abuse people's email addresses. Just because you have them doesn't mean you get to use them. <laughs> right. 
Right. So it's, you know, we have to give ourselves a lot of grace. We learned it, but it, we don't have to be experts because you're right. But man. we also learned it as adults. Yes. Not <laughs> as an eight-year-old, you know. <laughs> yeah. But what you said is like we do for our kids, you know, as parents, we mentor our kids in manners all the time. And it's not always how to set the table. Sometimes manners is as simple as hey, that guy said hi to you and you didn't even look up and acknowledge them. You do it on the spot, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to like get really overwhelmed with needing like an official curriculum. It's just being aware that, yeah, we cannot expect our kids to know internet etiquette because we didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. But I think too, you're talking about keeping them off social media in many ways. And I'm, I'm all for that. I am and this isn't even a fear of digital safety things. I'm just kind of a little house on the prairie kind of girl. <laughs> yes. I'm not, I use I use technology when I have to, and it's not something I personally embrace. But I don't want to keep my kids completely off social media and then have them leave the house and try to navigate that world on their own. And while they might be able to, if I've created mature, wise I've created. If I've helped my kids become mature, wise adults, it's not fair. That's a lot of trickiness to try and navigate and to jump into. It was one thing for us to navigate it as adults as it developed and as we figured it out, but to just throw them into the vast world without having giving them the opportunity to learn with us and to help them navigate with us, I think is not really fair. Yeah, this is such a good point. Um, it it reminds me of I don't if any of our families have been with us for a number of years. You may remember we had a parent night with HR mom, and um, she's a mom that you know gives a lot of great parenting advice. And she's a former HR executive. And one of the things that really stood out to me when I went to hear her talk was she talked about how. Um, when our kids are babies and, you know, like say birth to five, you know, they're they're learning curve, they're learning all these skills, right? Um, but at some point in their childhood, it's really common for us to continue doing things for our kids that they should know how to do, right? And so at some point, you know, we keep, you know, doing their laundry, making their phone calls, setting up play dates. We do all these things. And then all of a sudden they become seniors in high school and we panic because we're like, oh, they don't know how to cook an egg. They don't know how to make a phone call. And all of a sudden this learning curve is just so steep and it's unreasonable for them to gain all those skills. So just what you said, I'm not saying that yeah, I don't know that we necessarily need to just say, hey, ever, you know, give your kids social media at a young age so they can learn these skills, but be aware that we don't want to launch them into the world mm -hmm. unprepared. So there's ways that we can say, even if you don't want your kids on social media, you can have conversations with your own about your own social media like, oh, I realized I'm spending too much time on this. I'm going to, you know, you do those kind of think alouds mm -hmm. or you give them opportunities when they have to send a teacher a message. They have access to various things. That's how you start mm -hmm. those conversations, I think. Yeah, I think like my 14 year old is on some of those like the chat apps mm -hmm. for some of the activities that she's involved in so that she's getting I don't have to be the filter for all of her information. Yes. But, you know. She's not on a lot of other stuff. <laughs> I'm not interested in, in the her having that pressure or, you know, her phone doesn't stay in her room at night. And so I don't want her feeling like, oh, no, but I've got to check those certain messages and things. So 
What do you think most most parents fear as they, when the topic of digital literacy or internet safety comes up? Do you think most parents know what digital literacy means? You know, that is such a good question. I don't, um, I don't, I think there is fear around this topic. And I think the big fear is we don't know. We don't understand technology enough. So it in- intimidates us, right? So um, it's a really good question. And digital literacy, I um, one I like to liken it to, we all know what literacy literacy is, right? When we, when we teach our kids to read and write, we're teaching them vocabulary. We're teaching them um, like how to decode language. We're teaching them how to use language, how to write, how to read. Digital literacy is the same thing, how to take the digital devices we have and understand like what's a web browser what's an app what's spam you know some of the common vocabulary and then etiquette we teach our kids grammar rules when we're teaching them literacy in internet or digital literacy we're teaching them some of just the rules surrounding technology and that includes not just you know, um, societal norms as far as, you know, you don't send a chain email to everyone in your in your inbox, but it's also your family's rules. What are your values around technology? That's, a, that's an opportunity when we're giving our kids digital literacy, we can be teaching them our own family values. So how do we know when our kids know how to read in digital literacy? What? Oh, <laughs> wow. That is such a good question. And I think... I don't think our kids can ever be 100% digitally literate because of the nature of technology that's ever-changing, right? So um, a great ex- – this is fresh on my mind right now. There, a, a great example is I, if you, families may not be aware of OpenAI. This is a very yes, new I've been thinking technology, about this. right, where this, a, this, this technology um, exists that can – think and write things for you. And it's very good. Well, I, I got to be honest, like I'm not even totally literate, but I, you better bet like I'm trying to get ahead of it. Right. Because as a teacher. Good luck. I, my <laughs> husband has been playing with this thing to see what it's all about. And I said, tell it to give you a half hour podcast about reading about the importance of reading aloud to your children. And in three minutes, there it was a whole script and it was good. Yes, <laughs> It was yes. really good, which as you're talking and you're saying it's never going to be complete. I'm thinking the conversations I'm having with my freshman in high school and the conversations that I will be having with my kindergartner are going to be very different. Yes, yes, because technology is changing. But one thing that doesn't change is as a parent, you know, you have family values and you know how to mentor your kids. So just in the same way that, you know, when they were learning how to walk, we were there right beside it. We didn't know. No one taught us how to teach our kids how to walk. We just kind of figured it out. We're like, oh, they're stumbling here. Let me help them. You know, when they when we taught them how to ride a bike, when we've taught them about their first friends, we don't there's not really a manual on it. But we kind of look at where where are their gaps? Right. Where, where do they need some support? And I think the big takeaway when it comes to the fact that you can't be 100% digitally literate, even our, our, you know, most techie people in this world, they're constantly learning, is if we just embrace the fact that we need to be in constant conversation about it, and we also need to be aware of what our kids are doing online. So one, one example would be, I recommend, you said you don't let your daughter have her phone in her room at night. 
I don't think any kids should have internet-connected devices in their rooms at night because, well, they're, you, it's, you can't monitor what they're doing. You may have filters on your computer. There are, there are a lot of parental con- controls available to us, and I do recommend parents learn about them. I have some resources to share. But the, the reality is because uh, technology is always evolving, those filters are always going to have loopholes. So one of the values could be we don't use devices into the night, you know, when everyone should be sleeping because that's a healthy thing to put in place. And so you don't have to know all the answers, but, you know, there are thinking about things that are concerning. That's the first thing. What are parents worried about? You, to go back to your mm-hmm. original question. Okay, so we should be worried about them encountering um, inappropriate content. We should be worried about strangers contacting our students. We should be worried about cyberbullying. And that doesn't mean we have to live in fear, but we need to be aware of it. And cyberbullying, it's one of those things. It's interesting because we want to protect our kids from it, but we also need to talk to even our sweetest kids. We got to have a conversation with them about what cyberbullying is so they don't accidentally do it. Because just like we didn't have all the the norms in place when we were learning technology ourselves, sometimes kids need that um, need help translating good behavior in real life translates to good behavior online. Just mm-hmm. because someone's online doesn't mean they're not there's not a real person on mm-hmm. the other side of the the screen. Sometimes I will, well, I want to back up. So maybe a better word instead of worrying, like we don't necessarily need to lay awake at night and worry about these things, but we do need to actively be involved in teaching our kids how to prevent or be aware of these things to let us know maybe that sweet kid isn't going to be a cyber bully, but maybe they need to be able to recognize if they are being Bullied. Like this isn't okay. They don't get to say those things to you. You you need to sound an alarm here. You know. <laughs> yes. And there are some really really great resources out there to help kids learn this. Um, I Common Sense Media um, is a really great resource, and they have a curriculum that is. I think it starts at kindergarten and goes all the way up through eighth grade for, and it's age appropriate. And one of the videos um, I shared some with a, one of my Adventure Academy classes, and it was targeting um it was the target audience were younger kids and it was all about um this this character playing a game and then someone said something mean to him and it gave them very clear easy steps what to do walk away tell someone you trust don't you know don't dwell on it you know do something positive and so yeah we definitely want to arm our kids with tools but those tools exist. We just want to put them in touch with our kids. The other thing I was thinking about as you were talking is that I think sometimes we can say, no, you can't have a phone. No, you can't be on these on these sites. No, you can't do this. And we don't tell them why. So then they push and they push and they push and they push. But I've found that at times if we hear about an incident or we see a kid who's, for instance, I've had, my kids have had times where they've said, they just sat on their phone the whole time and I, I was so bored. And we'll use that as a teaching moment of that's a really hard thing to combat at your age and that's why I don't want you to have a phone yet. Or somebody who's 
I don't know, somebody whose video got out of control on social media. That is not something I want you to be subjected to right now. And so we don't do this yet. When you get older, when you're able to how you know control this better or understand the reasons behind it then we'll go there but not right now because i don't want those things to happen to you and they may not like it but when they understand it they're a lot more cooperative <laughs> yeah in our family um one of another um area of interest for me is just understanding the adolescent brain and just all that goes on in adolescence where their brain is in this area of rapid growth. Um, they say, aside from the brain growth that happens between birth and age two, there is no other time in our life that our brains are more neuroplastic than adolescence. Your, your, your brain is growing and changing and there's all these things. And so my own kids, my kids are 15 and 17. I mean, I have one that's almost an adult and we still have these conversations like my 17-year-old has proposed several times that he is responsible enough to have unlimited access to gaming. <laughs> and he is a great kid. He is so responsible. He, I, he, he is doing all the right things, but yet we still say, here's why. Here's why we still have limits. And the big for our family, the big thing is your brain is still developing and there's nothing you can do about that other than give it some more time. So we want to delay this unlimited access to technology to allow your brain to develop those healthy neuropathways so that you still remember how to engage with people and how to do all those things. And so, yeah, having the, giving them the why is so, so powerful. And he doesn't love it. He still tries to to convince us that he, you know, he can have unlimited technology. And we do give and take. He does get to play video games. And sometimes he gets to play a lot. But we just aren't crossing that line to unlimited because we're like, eh, let your brain grow up a little you bit You can more. be a mature teenager and still not quite understand the effect of all of the dopamine shots and all of the yes. chemical things that are going on or... All of the ways that the creator of the various creators of the various types of technology and games and things that we're using are trying to addict us. Um, I just read a book about how to break up with your phone, and it's it's incredible that it, like it everything on your phone is there to try and get you to keep coming back. And I'd rather spend time with my kids, you know. Yeah, I it's, it's funny. I t we talked to our kids about that too. That. Um, you are brilliant. You are wonderful. You are so smart. However, you are not equipped to stand up against these advertising and these technology creators that are making billions of dollars to addict you to these devices. Like it's not mm -hmm. a fair fight. Right. Mm -mm. So that's why we put in these limits. So I'm going to change topics here in just a second. But before I do, I do want to say so parents who want to find resources is about how to teach their kids how to navigate the internet safely, how to find information that's trustworthy, not false sites and that sort of thing. What's the difference between a .org and a .gov and a .edu and those kinds of things? Do you have some resources that we can send parents to for those kinds of things? Yes. I um, I have a whole slide deck that has um, so has everything from, like, really good books to read, um, 
I prepared the, it was interesting. I prepared these slides for that parent presentation I referenced a couple of years ago. And when I, in preparation for this podcast, I revisited the slides and it's like, oh my goodness, there, there's constantly, there are new resources available. But what you'll find in those is really, really great books to um, educate yourself. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. I'm busy. So I do most of my reading on audio. And so a lot of the books are available on audio. There's a great podcast that I just found um, called the Safe Tech Family Podcast. And it really hits on like every area that you might want to touch on as a parent to learn about internet safety, digital literacy. Um, there are also those curriculums, like I referenced, um, Common Sense Media. The FBI actually has put out a, um, a curriculum called SOS. It's Safe Online Surfing, I think. Um, totally free. That um, So uh, the fact that the FBI has come out with a right. curriculum <laughs> lets you know that the research, you know, the research is out that we really need to be teaching our kids these things. And people are putting Google has a really good um, uh, curriculum. They have lots of ways to teach kids about these topics, about whether it's being a, a good digital citizen, which is like having good manners online or how to prevent um, or what to do if you come across inappropriate content. Mm -hmm. And since we're talking about resources, there is one more in case it doesn't come up. I want to make sure parents know there is a book that I have linked in there that started um, the first edition of this book was targeting ages, I don't know, like seven to 10 or something. It's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And now they have one that's targeting even younger kids. Um, I it's, This book I was not aware of when my kids were younger, and I really wish I was. But it has, it's just, it's written for kids. And it has, it starts that conversation for you about kids. How do we be safe? And what do we do? And why? If we come across something and how to teach our kids, you know, not to feel ashamed if they come across something inappropriate, but how to handle it. So really good stuff. I find that conversation tricky because I don't want to um, ignite curiosity. <laughs> yes. You know, in that podcast I was talking about, the um, the Safe Tech Family podcast, she interviewed the author of that book. And that is, an, like she said, it's the number one question that she gets. And I'll be full disclosure, I actually don't own the book. I wish I did so I could tell you more about it. But when I went on Amazon to put the link in my slideshow, um, I want to say it has like 6,000 reviews wow. or more and five stars. And so I read through oh, those reviews and uh, it was everything from grandparents to just saying okay. this book was so good. This book was so good. No, usually a book like that, if you're going to have exactly what you said, mm -hmm. those concerns, it would come up. But right. it, apparently it introduces the topic in a very kid friendly awesome. and appropriate okay. way. I will be looking into that. That's really yeah. interesting. Um. I just have to go back to the whole FBI curriculum because I'm simultaneously impressed and terrified that that exists. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about internet safety. So parents, if you're in the car listening to this with your family, this may be a point where you'd like to pause it and listen to it later. Um, we're not going to get into anything terribly detailed, but we'll just let you decide whether or not you want that topic to come up in front of your family right now. So clearly, um, there are some really startling statistics about when kids are first introduced to porn, whether that's accidentally or friends with phones or whatever, you know, little kids at school sharing things. So in addition to 
all of the ways that we want to prevent distraction or we want them to be safe from people who are might be trying to trick them into inappropriate conversations. We also want to help them learn how to avoid either stumbling across or searching out those kinds of sites. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, the statistics, and I, I feel like if it's okay, I would like to share the statistics because not because I want to scare parents, but because I think we all need to be aware that we need to have these conversations sooner than we're ready, unfortunately. Um, as a, in 2019, the statistic was uh, by the age 11, 53% of kids have encountered, um, oh no, I'm sorry, that's by the age of 11, most kids have their smartphone, but they, it's somewhere between the age of 11 and 9, 9 and 11, that kids have, most kids are having their first exposure to internet pornography, whether it's accidental or on purpose, and it's it's just devastating, but that's the world that we live in, So so how do we how do we take that statistic and still let our kids function in this world that's digitally connected? So a couple things that I, I recommend. Um, one, um, again, the slides that we referenced, I have various um, tools that I can recommend, but really having some kind of filter on your home internet, whether that's through your router or on all of your devices. I actually recommend, I think, a combination of both. You know, if your route, most routers come with a way to set parental controls where you can filter explicit content out. Um, and then most devices have parental controls. So things to be aware of, obviously phones and computers, but also if your video games are connected to the internet, even if your kids are not playing um, video games that have them with other people, most video game consoles do connect to the internet. So don't, so, and I mean, I even remember the Wii when the Wii first came out, it has an internet browser in it. So mm -hmm. don't be afraid of it, but be aware it's there and look into what parental controls are available to you. Usually you can get most devices that are marketed to kids have parental controls where you can filter um, whether or not you want it to have browser access, what kind of games you want them to be available, you know, to be available to them. So that's the first layer. I would say definitely make sure that your internet has some some sort of filter, and um, you're you're utilizing parental controls. And I mentioned earlier about having, um, you know, when I was first going down this this road of navigating computers with my kids, I thought like old technology was the answer because it doesn't have to connect to the Internet. But actually, in addition to the fact that the technology doesn't work well, if it doesn't get regular updates, it actually makes it way easier for the parental controls not to work. Because when things are out of date, mm -hmm. they're just the, the parental controls on newer devices are much easier mm -hmm. for parents to use. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing to be aware of. And then another piece is to realize that no parental controls can replace your direct parenting. So we really, I recommend... It can be really hard in a house where everyone's utilizing technology at once. I know when kids have online classes, we want them to be able to focus. But to the extent possible, I recommend having all Internet co dev connected devices in view of the family. So not allowing your kids to be in a room by themselves with the door closed. You know, it, you know, you, it may work 
that they get to do that for their class. But then I recommend the device comes out of their room because it's really easy for them to get sucked in. And if you're just observing your kids, quite often you as a parent can tell something's wrong. Um, and you can catch something sooner before it becomes a problem. So those are two things that I recommend just, you know, basic, basic monitoring and just being aware that I wish there was. I wish I could tell you that if you buy this this technology, it will keep your kids safe. I wish it existed. <laughs> it mm-hmm. doesn't. But um, another, um, since we are on this topic and uh, of um, inappropriate content and just protecting our kids from pornography, there is a documentary that I have linked in my slides. It's called um, Fight the New Drug. And what I really appreciate about this documentary is it is unlike anything I have ever seen. Um, I, I heard an interview of the from the creator of this documentary, and he was really motivated to create something that would reach kids themselves, not just parents with scary statistics, but he likened it to the anti-tobacco campaigns from when we were kids. And it really, that resonated with me because I feel like I remember as a kid feeling very empowered to go, ew, tobacco, why would you do that? That's gross. I don't want that. He His goal is to teach kids to feel empowered, to go, ew, I don't want to look at that. Why would I look at that? And so the documentary, it's a three-part series, and it talks to them about um, the brain and what pornography does to the brain. And there are some very alarming statistics. It talks about um, addiction. And then it talks about the ways that pornography is fueling other industries Um that they may not be aware of. And so I would recommend first parents watch it yourselves so you can decide when your kids are ready. It's not for young kids, mm-hmm. but I would say most teenagers, I would, I cannot recommend it enough. And it might be uncomfortable. My kids did not want to watch it with me when I was like, you guys, we're all going to watch this. And they're like, are you serious, mom? I do <laughs> not want to watch this with you. But because we watched it, it made me feel more comfortable having conversations I don't want to have with them. But I was like, even just, you know, last week, because I was preparing for this show, I'm driving with my kids, two teenage boys. And I was like, hey, so let's talk about ways that you, like, how do you respond if like your your friends have something and something they want to show you? Like, have you ever like role played in your head? What are the words that you're going to use? How are you going to respond? And again, no one wants to have this conversation with their kids. But I think if we destigmatize the conversation, if we stop pretending it doesn't exist and just acknowledge this thing exists, we don't we don't like it. It's not good for us. But let's take away like the shame part of it. We can help our kids understand that when they come across something, it's in their best interest to talk to us about it so we can help them. I think I'm really intrigued by the by the documentary, because when I hear all the statistics, I just want to crawl in a hole and shut down. Like, I just want to go live on the prairie. <laughs> Take away all the technology. I don't want to talk about it. I It's it's scary. It's icky. And I don't want to go there, you know. But obviously, I can't live my life like that. I can't raise my kids like that. That's not a healthy way to do it. But I love the idea of letting somebody else open the conversation but you're sitting there with them. And so now we all know what we all know. 
And so now we have something we can talk about and we have a reference point. And I find with these kinds of, I, there are other parents who are so much more comfortable with these conversations than I am. I, it's not my thing. So some of you are giggling a little as <laughs> you listen to this. But I think for those of us who, it, it does make us squirm and we don't want to talk about it. There is a, there really, this is an area where I think you fake it till you make it. You, you act like you aren't uncomfortable so that you can say what needs to be said. And if you act like you aren't uncomfortable, your kids will be considerably less uncomfortable because you've presented a, this is going to be normal for us. This is something we do. And slowly everybody will just get a little bit easier with it. Yes. And I love that you said that because it reminded me of another thing that I think is crucial. Um, I talked about like being careful of like, so one of the things they say is that pornography thrives in shame. The addiction to pornography thrives in shame because people, there's shame attached. So it happens in secret and then people get into this, this hole and they, because they're ashamed, they don't come out of it. So my other piece of advice is parents, we all know it is not if, but it is when, when our kids are first exposed to something terrible on the internet. I cannot emphasize this enough. Be careful that you don't, or tr be careful. I, this sounds so, so strong, but I, I urge you to try to avoid shaming that child like it's their fault. Because if we really think about it, there is a, I don't know, multi-billion dollar industry that is making sure this stuff exists. So it's not fair to our kids, like our kids to, to try to avoid it, like it's going to happen. So even if they are the ones who initiated the search, right? It's so hard. I'm, I'm just going to say this, like <laughs> the first time I found out my kids had seen something inappropriate, I was devastated. I was in my bedroom sobbing and my husband came in and he was like, and he's not normally the one that's, that's like, hey, it's not a big deal. No, he was like, look, it is a big deal. But this happened and we have it's like they're kids and it's it happens. So now we have to move forward. And so ever since then, if something does, you know, I, I really try to keep myself from overreacting. And if I need to go cry about it, then I go cry about it and come talk to my kids when I'm like more composed mm -hmm. because it's it's heart wrenching to think of your kids seeing something. And so. It's just, it's so much more productive for them if we can come like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm so sorry that you saw that. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about, you know, and that's that's the, a piece of advice I would like to just pass on is let's be careful not to get mad at them. This world is unfair when it comes to those things. And not being mad at them doesn't mean you don't necessarily take action that might need to be taken. Like we need to tighten up parental controls or maybe devices need to go away a little more often for a while until it, not even as a punishment, but as a protection. You know, yes. if if you're not making good choices, walking to a terrible example for homeschoolers walking to school. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it. <laughs> you know, and there's where there's times where for your own protection, I'm going to give some new limits and they may not live there forever, but we're going to, it's going to happen right now. So, you know, I think not shaming doesn't mean inaction. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because yes, for sure. Um, when we, when I was first preparing for this digital literacy um, talk, I, I decided to purchase, well, I consulted my kids. I was like, hey, 
not that they had the final say, but I involved them in the conversation. I was like, hey, there's this parental called control called Custodio. I'm going to buy it. We're going to try it. It's going to go on all our devices, and then it's going to allow me to put controls on your phones. So they agreed. They're like, yeah, because they were really convinced of, like, wanting to be safe on the mm-hmm. Internet. And mm-hmm. they had both, I think, been exposed to things. And, the, like, they, they were motivated to, like, have mm-hmm. that stuff blocked. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today we still have it. And I think they probably super regret, right? <laughs> <laughs> because one of my kids, he is 15 and he's in that adolescent brain. And it's not just inappropriate content I worry about. He is the, the, the other side of this conversation you wanted to have, the digital distractions. He's like, yes. squirrel, squirrel. Like he's yes. so distracted by nothing that's bad necessarily, He, but it will distract him. So I... I love that sometimes I'll go in and all of a sudden I've blocked all the things. And he's like, Mom, I can't get on YouTube. I'm like, nope, you can't. <laughs> you need to focus on your score. Well, okay. So to get into a, a less cringy part yes. of the conversation, I, I would love to talk about that. Because that is actually um, more than I knew the Internet safety conversation needed to have. But um, I was more motivated to have this conversation because I am realizing that as my kids are all on devices for school, that the distraction piece is a real issue. Like they sit down to, and they intend to do school. Let me check my email real quick. I'm sure we as adults have never had this moment. <laughs> never. Let me, you know, let me check my email real quick and ooh, what's going on there? Let me go click on that. And half an hour later, they haven't done what they're supposed to do. And so now their whole day has changed because, you know. I don't know. I've never watched reels for half an hour instead of doing something I was supposed to do. It, you know, it happens. And I struggle to control it on my own, but I'm not always sure how to help my kids mitigate that distraction piece that, again, billions of dollars have put in, been put in place to help create for them. So how do we help them? I mean, honestly, at some point when they're in you know, elementary, maybe even junior high, we're not even talking about like they just need to be prevented from those distractions there's there's so much there's a there's an age level that like it's we can't even expect them to be able to control that <laughs> to a degree yes um there's there's a few a few strategies number one like i said having them um in sight when they're on a device is a huge huge um benefit because i know for myself i my husband and i work from home and so sometimes i'll be in a meeting for for an hour or so and I come out and it's like, oh, what have they been doing for this whole time? Have they, you know, so the flip side is it's it's a lot easier to keep track of what your kids are doing online if you see them. Like all of a sudden you're gonna look up and go, wait a minute, you've been you've been sending that email for an hour. What have you really been doing? So that's one, you know, just physically monitoring them helps. But there are um like Chrome add-ons you can get. Um that uh, I know adults that use these where you can set them, um, you know, even if your kids don't have social media, I'm going to use Facebook as an example. Some some adults go, oh, I have I have trouble spending too much time on Facebook. So I'm going to set this limit so that it um, it only allows me 30 minutes of Facebook every day. So there, those those technologies exist. Um, one thing that I think is a big help is to if you're going to allow your kids to um, you know, scroll on reels, look on YouTube, play video games, you know, have a rule, um, have a rule with your family. Sometimes, you know, the rule could be you have to finish your schoolwork first 
and then you get this much time. However, there the other idea is sometimes that reward of a break, you know, they it can help motivate kids. So after you spend, um, after you finish this assignment for math, you can set a timer and watch YouTube reels for 15 minutes or, you know, that's another mm -hmm. timers can be mm -hmm. really helpful. Um, but there, there isn't an easy answer mm -hmm. other than monitoring, putting mm -hmm. in place, setting ground rules. And I would recommend that if you're going to let them have some access, then have, let them know what the rule is so, so that they're not trying to sneak in YouTube when you don't know. Because if, if they're allowed to go to YouTube, say, okay, well, here's, here's how much YouTube you're allowed to watch. But it has to be done under these conditions, mm -hmm. right? It, then then mm -hmm. they have permission and they're not trying to sneak it. Right. At the beginning of the year when we were figuring out how many of the school Chromebooks to get that were offered to everybody, I, I, one of my kids, I said, you don't really need one. You've got a good laptop and do you want one? And the answer was, yes, I do because I get so distracted. And so they wanted to be able to kind of keep school stuff on the Chromebook and all the stuff that is distracting on their laptop so that they wouldn't be overlap and they could open up the Chromebook and just have school stuff and not even go there with everything else. And um, I thought that was an excellent answer. I said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you get a Chromebook. You get one. A Chromebook for you. That's a great answer. <laughs> I appreciate the, the self-awareness. And the speaking up and the thinking through a solution, like so many different steps of that. It was like, you're great. Yes, you get that. Yes, <laughs> so, for sure. That's awesome. So I know this is a topic that we could go on and on and on and on about for a very long time. You've given us already some great resources that will all be linked in the show notes. So parents, if you're driving and listening and you're thinking, wait, what was the name of that book again? You can go to the show notes when you get home and find that and find a, a link to that. So please look those up because these are some really great resources for helping us navigate this big and tricky and sometimes uncomfortable topic. Is there anything else that you would really like to leave parents with? Any other resources or thoughts? Um, I just think that it, I hope the big takeaway here is parents, we don't have to have all the answers, but we do already, we already know how to do hard things with our kids. We just need to not be afraid of diving in, coming alongside them and learning together. I mean, we're homeschool families. We, this is what we do. We come alongside our kids. I mean, most of us don't know all the history that we're teaching our kids, but we dive in with them. We learn alongside them. And um, I hope that this has been an encouragement and not something, you know, hopefully we've learned that like we don't have to fear. We just need to dive in and work with our kids. Thank you so much, Tricia, for being here today. Thank you. Listeners, if this episode would be helpful for somebody else that you know, please feel free to send this on to them. And if you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. If you'd love to hear your solutions, what have you found works really well for your family to either minimize distraction, teach good digital literacy, or to help increase internet safety at your home? Email me at podcasts at sequoiagrove.org. Thank you for joining us on the Sequoia Breeze podcast today. 
I've been your host, Rebecca Lasavio. I hope that this has been a breath of fresh air for your homeschool.